down she goes wow wow this this is not that kind of podcast that's that's chronically narnia after dark oh okay Welcome to Chronically Narnia. This is a podcast. Cool. This is a podcast. Um, we <laughs> what? <laughs> we are discussing the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter. We began with the wrong book, so at this point, we are currently on chapter eleven, chapter twelve, yeah, chapter eleven, chapter eleven of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan is nearer. Nearer. Is the chapter title. We're gonna say that word wrong a few times. Nearer. 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 N- <laughs> nearer. Yeah, we're fine. Anyway. Nearer. Um, <sighs> my name is Kristen, uh, also known as a Primrose, and this is my co-host. I'm a Crocus, also known as Chris. What's a we- Crocus? Uh, it's, it's, you've seen him before. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. It's a that does not answer a question or imply that I even said anything. It's like a little variety of lily. Like That's like, what color is the sky? Well, you've seen it before. You know that plant I used to have in my apartment in Florida? The little grassy one? No. Okay. Well, they're, they're all over as like ground cover in Florida. Like they're little, they have little white flowers on top of the little spiky bit keep keep motioning what you mean by stems and uh (laughs) anyway i'll show you a picture later anyway i'm a crocus chris we both went with flowers yeah well that was fun there was an abundance of plant life in this chapter there is an abundance of plant life and i have a whole thing to go into with that but you know we'll get there eventually well well i look forward to it (laughs) somehow much anticipation Patient. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you do. Do you want to take us into our first segment? Um, so for the first part of this podcast, what we do is we... The first part of this podcast is a section where we create a sentence summary. As we're reading, we select uh, five sentences out of the chapter, pluck them out of context, and really try hard to create the plot in a five sentence summary of the chapter so chris why don't you go ahead and go first with your five sentence chapter summary of chapter 11 as lan is nearer okay here we go and when at last edmund plucked up his courage to say please your majesty could i have some turkish delight you you said she answered silence fool It would have been a dreadful thing for the beavers and the children if the night had remained fine, for the wolves would then have been able to follow their trail, and ten to one would have overtaken them before they had gotten to the cave. He would have given anything to meet the others at this moment, even Peter. And Edmund, for the first time in this story, felt sorry for someone besides himself. And his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why when he realized that the frost was over. 
I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. You, you like one of my summaries. Yeah, no, it, you did a really good job with it. I had a hard time with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I love that sentence, uh, and Edmund for the first time in this story felt sorry for someone besides himself. Uh-huh. So I feel like that's a turning moment for him. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like you really emphasized that. You really took on Edmund's journey in your summary, and you did a really good job with it. Thank you. I mean, that's kind of what the chapter is, so. Yeah, I, I'll i tell you what I interpreted the chapter as oh. by reading my summary. Go ahead. Go for it. Edmund, meanwhile, had been having a most disappointing time. But before they drove off, she called Malgrim, and he came bounding like an enormous dog to the side of the sledge. Take with you the swiftest of your wolves and go at once to the house of the beavers, said the witch, and kill whatever you find there. This is no thaw, said the dwarf, suddenly stopping. This is spring. Okay. Yeah, I know. I didn't do a good job. Whatever. No, you, you did don't a good job. It. I, don't I, worry I'm, about it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I've done I mean, a lot no, of. Don't worry about it. I've done a lot of crappy summaries. Yours isn't crappy. I just you, the things you chose to focus on were interesting. Yep. Uh, okay. So let's let's just dive into it. This yeah, chapter. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I love you so much. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling here. Uh-huh. I don't want to be happy. <laughs> I'm helping. Quarantine. Yeah. So, how's the quarantine going for you, Kristen? It's not going well. <laughs> we are currently both on pause from uh, our jobs, and so you know, this is this is what we're doing full time now. We are recording, editing things, and trying out some new podcast material, and this is this is what we got to stay sane. Okay. Uh huh. It's not working. Uh huh. This, this is kind of dating the recording of this podcast, though I'm sure by the time everybody listens to it, it will still very much be a thing going on. Yep. So, happy happy self-isolation, guys. Uh, let's get right into it, then. So, this chapter is basically the, the very beginning of Edmund's redemption story. It is. That's very much what it is. Uh, this is all about Edmund, really. He's yeah. kind of the, the core of this chapter. And, and the fact that the winter is turning into spring. Yes. And the witch's response to that as well. Yes. So starting out, I had an idea I wanted to throw at you. That might... Don't throw it so hard. <sighs> you dodged. It's fine. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I had this idea that I don't know if it's a good one or not, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. I think this chapter is almost... See, that's a good solution to not touching your face. Hold a pen. Uh-huh. There you go. This chapter is almost uh, a take on a creation story. And I felt like this chapter was almost an echo, or vice versa, since the book was written later, of our first time going to Narnia in The Magician's Nephew. I feel like The Magician's Nephew definitely does echo this spring rebirth. Uh-huh. Um, however, at this point in the story, we have been introduced to the concept of Aslan as Jesus. What? What? <laughs> we also, thank you very much to Nathan for pointing this out, have been introduced to the character of Father Christmas, who is essentially John the Baptist. Which I feel dumb for not having gotten. Yeah, well, anyway. 
So if we're in a storyline coming through that kind of timeline where we're like, well, at this point we have met John the Baptist and we're moving in the direction of Jesus, mm-hmm. like this is the miracles of Jesus. This is the turning the water into wine and celebrating. Like this is... Turning the snow into water. It's turning the snow into water. Um, Generally much easier for normal people though. Yeah. <laughs> generally (laughs) um and then so like i would i would almost you know if we're trying to fit it into a a, a gospel story timeline if that's what we're saying that this is very much a an allegory for yeah then i would be asking questions of like not what is this a creation narrative of but what is this falling into that timeline is this a miracle is this hope is this faith is this what is this the founding of something yeah i mean we have not reached the death of aslan jesus figure i mean we haven't even met him yet still yeah he's nearer but we don't meet him in this chapter spoilers like with we have finished 11 chapters in the 15 chapter book and we have not met one of the main characters so this is, um, I don't know, I, I, I agree that this is very creation-y, um, but this is also like the birth of hope uh-huh. and the breaking of the winter and like the good news has come, uh-huh. that there is hope yeah, and that the witch will be defeated and things like that. I, I don't know, that's, I, I, I appreciate like our kind of, focus on the trees and things like that that's also paralleled in that creation narrative trees trees birches and beaches and oak and elm and birches and beaches and oaks and elms oh my uh so anyway in right in the beginning of this chapter old trees just an old tree those are those are their own thing yeah uh, so in the beginning of this chapter, we have, um, the promise, you know, of, of wealth and power and riches and more candy that the, the witch has made to Edmund kind of broken and thrown out right away. Yep. Like we, we have already established that Edmund is not getting anything that was promised to him. And that's when he realizes this might've been a mistake, uh, this entire time. Dummy. Uh, cause he won't even give him more Turkish delight. Nope. Yeah. He's like. Give me, give me some of that sweet, sweet Turkish delight. And she's like, I, I guess you can have some stale bread. Yep. Uh-huh. And, and then the dwarf comes out and is like, some Turkish delight for the young prince. <laughs> yeah, the dwarf's kind of a jerk. And he comes out and he brings the bowl, the, this bowl of water and the, and the bread out and, and sits it on the ground, basically being like, you you're know, a dog. you're, yeah, not even treating him as a human anymore. Yep. It's just like you, you're just another, you know, magrim here some creature that's under the command of the queen yep so that uh we have Edmund's status changed pretty swiftly in his fall from grace in the beginning of this chapter yep uh and then they we send out the dogs we send out Mogram and you know a couple of wolves to go and kill all the beavers and whatever else might be in the beaver's hut yeah so then we have this interesting thing where it's like the beavers were like she'll be here in 15 minutes uh-huh but like it's been hours and hours. She has to... She even says that she has to go find a place to cross the river. Yeah. 
she, I mean, she sends Malgrim, and Malgrim could be there in 15 minutes, but the beavers were all afraid that the witch was going to be there in 15 minutes, and that doesn't even seem possible with her sledge. Yeah. They're like, she'll be traveling by sledge. So maybe they're assuming that she would just send Malgrim to them and then go straight to the stone table. Yeah. And she would be able to beat them by a sledge going to the stone table. Also, why didn't Father Christmas give them a ride on his sledge to the stone table? Because that is not John the Baptist's job. Yeah. It's his job to go give plum pudding to a group of woodland critters. That's a fun little scene that we have. So we have the witch driving on the sledge on and on through the snow. And Edmund is just miserable because he doesn't have his coat, etc. And he finally just stops even trying to shake off the snow. Well, there's this... uh... There's this line that I did want to read that I thought was interesting. Um, do, 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 do. We have a lot of character moments for Edmund. It says... Uh, Is it this lasted longer than I could describe, even if I wrote pages <laughs> yes. and pages about it? Yes. Is that the line yes. you're looking for? You knew exactly which one I was looking for. Yep. How'd you know that? I just had a feeling yeah. that that one might come up. And uh, so, yeah, apparently... They, they go on this journey for hour after hour, longer than I could the, the writer could possibly describe if he wrote pages and pages about it. And, like, and unless I, you have looked at a world of snow as long as Edmund had been looking at it, you will hardly be able to imagine what a relief those green patches were after the endless white. I, Edmund has been here for less than 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah, so there's kind As of a, someone who's been in quarantine for two days, <laughs> uh-huh. I can tell you that the green patches are a relief. They will be more so in a week uh-huh. and even more so in two weeks. That's why I have plants. There's green patches inside. Yes, there are. Is it helping you? I, I, they're in the wrong room for me. Okay. The one in the bedroom uh, bothers me because I haven't rotated it in a week, and so it's growing all one direction. Uh-huh. So I need to come back and rotate it again. Okay. Just like you need to rotate the basil because it's going to fall over. Uh-huh. <laughs> it survived, by the way. The basil survived our vacation. That's a thing. That's yeah. some exciting news. The mint did not. The mint didn't? No. So we'll replace the mint at okay. some point but yeah this chapter had lots of plants in it and they seem to have all survived the winter just like all of our plants except for them survived our vacation yeah really train really <sighs> really so yeah all of these plants and uh, like this is the this is a like a 12 hour long transition from dead of winter to spring yeah. Where and everything is alive, like the flowers are alive, you have the trees all alive and brilliantly colored, and all of these plants and things like that. Anyway, sorry, like it was frustrating to me to just be like, it's spring, and here's the snow melting, and here's the beautiful flowers. Because, like, like, I get it that this is all about magic and the breaking of the spell and Aslan coming and spring being this rebirth and hope and all of this Correct. symbolism. But, like, also, like, it's snow and it's frozen everything and all of these plants are just like, hey, we good. 
Uh-huh. I'm, I don't know. It's unrealistic. Okay, it's it's creating unrealistic expectations for the process of spring dawning. You know, because like the solstice was a week ago, or equinox was a week ago, and it's spring now, and it's not that pretty outside. Unless this is like not just your average ordinary snow, but this is like a magical snow, and this is like part of the spell where not only have we literally frozen like the ground and we've made everything cold and white we have frozen partially time like no no progress has been made in this hundred years that the witch has been queen like everything is in stasis like everything is just i mean that kind of is the the point and the the symbolic imagery of winter and everything like that and, and if you talk about this as if a world in which sin has been rolling and all of this, no development towards you know, with theology. Yeah, and all of her statues. And all of her statues are just frozen. Uh-huh. So coming back to the statues, we were talking about this cute little party happening. Yeah, it was a fun little party. With Merry some, party. With a dwarf and some satyrs. Yes, and I was going to mention the presence of a dwarf because we've talked about dwarfs as referenced by the beavers as being some of the worst but also some of the not worst because they've met some good dwarves yeah but then the only dwarves we've met so far are the two that serve the queen the one that was driving the um sledge and getting the sledge ready and the one that brought the bread and water to edmund uh-huh. so this is the third dwarf we've met and he's just having a merry little party with the squirrels and stuff and turn to stone so this is a good dwarf um and some other satyrs and some squirrels and there's an old fox uh and they have been given gifts by father christmas father christmas uh yes said exactly like that uh with like some plum pudding and some holly for some reason even though it's not an edible thing yeah but it's decoration Uh, because it's christmas (laughs) yeah and they have gotten together and they're just like heck yeah christmas and I wanted to be pedantic here for a second and ask the question, how do they really know? Like, I, I guess you can Father argue. Father Christmas showed up. It's Christmas, I know. son. But like, no, no, no. But like, you can make an argument they for They went the, and got baptized. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can make an argument for the satyrs maybe, but like, I, I feel like a lot of these critters that live in the woods wouldn't really have an understanding of what it means to have Christmas anymore. Like, this is a spell that's been going on for a long time. Like, people who celebrated Christmas are largely no longer around. This has been a, like, I don't know. I mean, it's the, a legend the dwarves and point, the satyrs could very easily <laughs> have been, like, we going to introduce you. Yeah. And also, like, the, the baby squirrels that are like, he did, he did, he did come. It was him. <laughs> um, Banging spoons on the table. Yeah. Uh, they are so excited about this because it's a story that they've been told. Like, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Is man a myth? Does Christmas (laughs) exist? (laughs) Um, So... Also, I find it interesting, this idea of Christmas as something beyond people. uh Where it's like, Christmas exists because Father Christmas is here. Yes. Not Christmas exists because we've decided to get together and have a meal and give each other gifts. Yeah. Like Christmas is transcendent. It's a thing here. that happens. Yeah. It's it's just you don't have any say in the matter. Father Christmas shows up and it's Christmas now versus like, you know, you don't have to celebrate Christmas. You don't have to do it on Christmas Day. You can no. do whatever, you know, like have Christmas parties and stuff like that all month long. But like. 
I don't know. I just found it interesting the way that Christmas is represented as a transcendent thing here. Brought about by circumstances and Father Christmas's presence and things like that. Yeah. Presence and presence. Ooh, that double entendre. Uh, so, and the witch shows up, and for whatever reason, witch is really upset. Well, this, if Father Christmas really did show up, it shows that her spell is breaking. Yes, but she doesn't know that at first. She just seems to be upset that there are critters gathered having having some food. Yeah, because they're like, having a good time, clearly. What, what is all this indulgence? What is this waste? It's, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And she says, and she's like, I, is there a real reason for that other than, hey, the witch is evil for the sake of being evil? But she is literally on her way to the stone table because she knows Aslan is coming. Yeah. Like, she is already on the war path here. Yeah. So, like, any any representation that could indicate... Like, there's holly on the table. Uh-huh. It's obviously a celebration yeah. of the beginning of winter. I'm so confused. <laughs> Christmas is a solstice celebration uh-huh. for the beginning of winter. Yeah. And then this is the same day that spring starts. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I mean, cosmology. We've gone back in time and then forward again. Yeah, I mean, like the cosmology in Narnia is different. Like, it's not even a round planet. Like, they have different seasonal boundaries and things like that, I'm sure. Yeah, whatever. We can't really do it a one-one comparison with Earth. It's just the symbolic... Yeah, whatever. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Yes, uh, Christmas, symbolic theologically with birth of Jesus, symbolic culturally with the beginning of winter. Like, it's frustrating me. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, well, this is why I don't want to talk about theology on this uh, podcast, because it doesn't line up with the real <laughs> symbolism in literature that these things represent. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Edmund. Well, I mean, I'll, yeah, the critters, they celebrate, they all get turned to stone. It's very sad baby squirrels, you know. There's, there's a statue of a satyr with his fork you know, perpetually half out of his mouth. That's yep. fun. It uh, says forever. Yeah. Uh, fork forever fixed halfway to his mouth. Whew. Such alliteration. It really is. It's in parentheses, too. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, Edmund and his journey, because this is really his chapter. So this is the moment where he, for the first time, feels sorry for someone who's not himself. Yes. And he's just like, hey, witch, no, don't freeze him. Don't kill him. Don't do it. Don't do it. And she calls them traitors and spies. Yep. They're traitors. They're celebrating. They're... What else could they be? Uh, But we we start here in in Edmund's moment of redemption because I, I feel like, I mean, at first he has to be broken down by this journey through the cold and the snow. Mm-hmm. because he's just like oh no this isn't what i signed up for at all i didn't get turkish delights obviously you know she ain't gonna make me a king she yeah he has to be desperate yeah and he he gets real desperate at this point and then he sees this moment where he just has this turning point and it's like yep not sure i want to be a part of this anymore well i mean he didn't want to be a part of it before he was convincing himself the whole way there uh-huh. going to the witch to begin with that he was you know lying to himself the whole way and the narrator basically says that yeah and then he gets there and all of his lies are proved to be lies to himself yeah so now he has to figure out what to do from there because he's now stuck yeah man very literally bound uh, he gets tied up by the dwarf and 
marched in front with the dwarf behind him cracking the whip. Like, it's yeah. a very... It's kind of dark imagery. Yes, it is. <laughs> Where uh, he, he is literally basically made into, you know, be just another slave like the dwarves and the wolves. And he, you know, what's it got him? And at this point, I kind of have to ask, oh, why is the queen even keeping up for the facade here? Like, why bring Edmund along at all? Why at hasn't point? she just killed yeah. him? Yeah, why hasn't she just got rid of him? And accomplished her entire goal? Yeah, like... She he, he she obviously got from him whatever she's gonna get like what what point is there with him being here now like he's a liability that just kind of exists yeah so and yeah she's going to use him to bargain with Aslan eventually but yeah. there's very much like I don't know I think I think that there's an element of it now that Aslan is there that she might have to go to Aslan to argue her case that she can kill him and has a right to Edmund's life. Uh-huh. But, like, that also doesn't make sense. Not really, no. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we have the redemption moment, and then we have the long journey where they go through the woods in the snow, get real cold, journey forever. They meet the woodland critters. They get frozen. And then we start another journey again, and we're trucking through the snow. And it, it makes it seem like the beavers and the other kids at this point are days ahead of them. Because it's just like... It's you know, it's all one day. Yeah. Because they are, they are taking quite a while. And by the end of the chapter, we still haven't caught up to them. But we have, the you know, several pages of imagery. Well, they're not trying to follow them. They're trying... Like, the queen is trying... The witch is trying to beat them to the stone table. Yeah. So we know that they, like, stayed in that little hole in the ground overnight the yeah. kids did with the beavers yeah and then met santa in the morning and had tea yeah so we have these pages and pages of imagery about all of a sudden the snow starts to melt and yeah, we have the birth of spring which the is birth what i kind of, of focused on in mine yeah and you know the snow's starting to melt and there's this great sound of like running water and streams and the trees start to show up and you know snow is melting away and edmund feels this great relief because once you've been staring at white for so long green is you know a thing that brings happiness and joy apparently i n neither of us have ever really lived in a place that got consistent snow over the course of a winter so we don't really have experience with the birth of spring the birth of spring like mm. yeah no you grew up in florida and i grew up in california like yeah nah spring spring in florida takes it's about Oh, on a good year, about 10 days, usually about a week, yeah. where it's like a good time to go outside and do things. Yep. And, and that's then, what you get. And then you get the pollen rain. Uh -huh. And then summer starts. <laughs> that, and... that yellow pollen rain on everything. Yep. And then summer lasts for six months. And yeah, that's that's kind of what you get. And then you get hurricanes. That's the transition season from summer to winter is hurricane, right? Yes. Okay. First hurricane, you know, blows spring away. <laughs> um. So yeah, we have all this uh, this flower imagery, and I wanted to jump in here with uh, a Chris Research Minute. All right. <sighs> because I thought perhaps there was something to this, uh, and I kind of looked into the flowers that are mentioned in the chapter and the order in which they come up, and if there's any kind of symbolism uh, behind any of these flowers, and... 
I'm going to go down. Are they all like these are the, the indicators of spring? Is well, that like here are the fig blossoms? They or? they are the indicators of spring. They, they're all very, very early blooming plants, first out of the snow, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So he's right about that. But also, um, we have the first flower that's mentioned here is celandine, which there's is a European plant. There's not really, uh, there's kind of a North American equivalent that's vaguely related that's kind of like a daffodil or something but it's a it's a Euro- european plant also i also want to like point out that the narrator is just like here's all these plants that you the reader will definitely know <laughs> i'm like what's a larch <laughs> maybe, what's a crocus is i mean maybe school children in 1950s england be aware of these things what are celandines? Like, I don't... Anyway, go ahead. So, celandines are these bright yellow flowers, uh, also known as nipplewort, which I... Th- okay. It's a fun name. Uh, and they are historically uh, kind of a healing, kind of detoxifying agent. Like, you'd brew them into tea and whatnot, and they are supposed to do a detox, and they remove poisons from your body. And it's a very uh, old, old healing herb. Okay. It's like they're mentioned by Pliny the Elder, and like it's been a thing for thousands of years. Okay. And this is the moment where I, I kind of go down the rabbit hole and do a whole, like, maybe the curtains are just blue thing. But uh, there is symbolism here if we really reach for it. So celandine, the etymology of the word, comes from the Greek kalodon, uh, which means swallow. And swallows have historically been a symbol of either the beginning or ending of a journey. Okay. And in Victorian England and in the time of the British Empire, uh, sailors would get swallow tattoos uh, after returning home safe from a a long journey at sea. Okay. And so if you really want to stretch for it, there could be some symbolism here of those being the first flower that shows up. Okay. Beginning or end of a journey. Yes. Or both. Uh Uh-huh. Or, like, Aslan arriving, and this is kind of the... Or also, like, the end of Edmund's treacherous journey and the beginning of his redemptive journey. Yeah. Um, tell us more about the other flowers, like the crocuses, the larches, the laburnums. So the laburnums are trees. Larches are trees. Um, okay. Crocuses, vaguely like lilies, I couldn't find anything really symbolic about those at all. Okay. Lilies, though, are spring plants. Yeah, they're, they're... A spring rose. Uh, primrose, another spring plant. Uh, they're a really common flower that uh, has been used as a charge on heraldry. Uh, and a lot of different heraldries from like old houses in England and Scotland are use primrose imagery. I Not thought that, it... that there was more to primroses than that because like it was symbolically used in the Hunger Games as the younger sister's name. Yeah. That Katniss had to defend. Yeah, not really that I could find. Like, the only thing that um, really... I feel like I did research on this at yeah. some point. The only thing I found that really had any legs to it was uh, the Celandine thing. Okay. But, anywho, so that's what I had. Let me... So, yeah, there you go. Flowers, continue. Uh, so there's flowers, and there's birds, and there's bees. Well, Bzz. there's A, B. A, B buzzed across their path. Yep. Exciting. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then even the dwarf who is leading Edmund along in his bound slavery, it's just like, oh, the spell is breaking. This is spring. This yeah. is spring. Like, it's all over. And, and then the he queen... mentions that name of Aslan. Yep. 
And the queen says, "I." which either of you mentions that name again, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Yep. And that's where we end. So I feel like we we could have gotten more into stuff in this chapter. Like there is a lot of stuff about Edmund and the things that he's feeling, but it's all relatively straightforward. Yeah. And I feel like there's not a lot of, there's not really a lot of meat to dig into unless you got something to... What do you got? No, I think I think we talked about everything um, that I had written down. The yeah, we've got we've hit everything that I had written down. So I mean, we could move on to our chapter rewrites if you'd like. Sure. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Uh, hashtag Narnia chopped and screwed. Yes. And in this one, what we do is we go back through this uh, chapter, find five more sentences. And if the summary is akin to, you know, going through a field and plucking the ripe fruits from the plants that have just sprouted, uh, this is more, you know, going through the field that has just been freshly tilled and planting seeds to grow into something for someone else to come along and, and okay, this metaphor has gotten away from me. I... <laughs> anyway, so what we do is we just... So instead of harvesting, we're planting. We're planting. I'm just using plant imagery. Okay. Uh, anyway. There were no fruit-bearing plants mentioned. Yeah, it was well, all just flowers and yeah. trees. And we just go through and rewrite. And so, yeah, that's what we do. Kristen, do you want to go ahead and read your rewrite first? Sure. So we take five sentences, pluck them out of context from the chapter, and create a new story with them if we can, or a new scene or a new image in some way. Mm-hmm. So here's mine. The only way to comfort himself now was to try to believe that the whole thing was a dream and that he might wake up at any moment. Coming suddenly round a corner into a glade of silver birch trees, Edmund saw the ground covered in all directions with little yellow flowers, celadines. Every moment, more and more of the trees shook off their robes of snow. The larches and birches were covered with green and laburnums with gold. And as they went on, hour after hour, it did come to seem like a dream. Okay. like that. Thanks. So Edmund kind of having a little dream imagery type thing. Yep. Where he's wandering through this mystical world. Yep. Okay. I just really wanted to list all of the different trees that were in the chapter. (laughs) And I'll end the two separate times within two paragraphs in which it said, uh, only five minutes later, something happened. And then five minutes later, something that happened twice, too. Yep. I was going to use those originally and just go through a series of five-minute snapshots. Set a five-minute timer. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do mine. Uh, mine has probably the longest ch- sentence that we've read in any of the books, so we'll see if I can get through that one. Okay. All right. Faster, faster, said the witch. Soon there were more wonderful things happening. Then she raised her wand. And then, as if that had been a signal, there was a chattering and chirruping in every direction, and then a moment of full song, and then within five minutes the whole wood was singing with birds' music, and wherever Edmund's eyes turned, he saw birds alighting on branches, or sailing overhead, or chasing one another, or having their little quarrels or tidying up their feathers with their beaks. This is spring. There you go. 
So in that, you've kind of made the the witch the instigator of spring. Yes. Where she's going faster, faster. Yes. So just trying to turn her into a, a force for good and, you know, she's the one making all this happen. I see. I see. So there you go. That was my that was my deal. So what are you what are you drawing over there? I don't know. Just shapes. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh that was a chapter. Uh let's go ahead and go Was into it? Our, yeah, it's crazy. Let's go ahead and go to our last segment here where we just look at the chapter as a whole, give it a rating based Out of on species of trees. Uh we always uh, we take a look at the chapter as a whole and see how well it did what it set out to do. Um, just, you know, how self-contained it is and, you know, what, it, whatever. I don't know. We've done this, <laughs> we've, we've done this like 26 times now and I still haven't figured out a good way to describe what we do in this segment, but. In this you, segment, you rate and review the chapter. Yeah. That's I should it. Just, I should, that's, that's, I should that's, just say that and stop yeah, over explaining it, shouldn't You I? really should. Uh, and we have a variable rating system yeah. as far as what is representing your yep. rating. In this case, it's going to be species of trees. Species of trees. And tell us about the chapter. Give us your thoughts. But where is the Lorax in this chapter? Where is the Lorax? We have nobody to speak for the trees. We, we don't. <laughs> I mean, we could just have the trees speak for themselves because some of them are spies for the queen. It's true, I guess. Um, so anyway... Uh, it's alright, chapter. It's good. Yeah, things, things, stuff happen. I'll stop doing that voice. Wow. It was. <laughs> uh, no, it was fine. Uh, we have you know the beginning of Edmund's redemption arc. Obviously, this is uh Edmund centric. I think it does a lot of good things for his character development. Um. Not really anybody else's, you know, we, we freeze a small gathering of friends eating breakfast, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. So we have some emotional, emotional moments here. Lots they of descriptions. And plum pudding turns and to stone. And plum pudding. Oh. And uh, lots of descriptions of trees and flowers. I feel like, if anything, this chapter might have gone a little heavy on talking about wandering through the woods and, you know, we... But even if he had written pages upon pages upon pages... I know. Pages, and we really, like, really, really, really hammer home the spring imagery. Yeah. It's just like, here's here's some spring imagery. Oh, and it's spring. Oh, and here's more things for spring. Oh, and this is a thing that spring does. And this is a thing that happens in spring. And, like, a lot of it. Yep. Uh, some might say it went overboard, uh, which is going to take off a couple points for my rating. Um, but overall, middle of the road, decent. You know, I'm going to say... Uh, Three, 3.25 species of trees. Okay. There's like three full species of trees and maybe a hybrid. Okay. Like a tangelo. Oh. <laughs> you and your fruit trees. <laughs> like the fruit trees, like your citrus trees don't bloom until the beginning of winter. Like yeah, that's, well, you know what. Those are, those are winter foods. <laughs> You're a winter food. No. <laughs> I'm a person. <laughs> anyway, your final thoughts? Um... I really like the the way that you focused on Edmund in your summary. Yeah. And so that kind of brought back brought me back to this redemptive arc of Edmund and I feel like this is a, maybe an overly symbolic chapter where it talks about all of the spring and rebirth and the breaking of the witch's power but also the rebirth of Edmund's character 
as someone that we could, you know, be happy, might be redeemed. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that this also plays into him eventually becoming Edmund the Just. Mm-hmm. And that this is a part of the birth of Edmund the Just, where we have his ability to understand other people and actually feel sympathy for other people and for the first time feeling bad for someone else. Like that is that is a moment of empathy where we see a birth in Edmund of a of the person that he's going to be, King Edmund the Just. So, um, all of that said, I think it's a fair chapter. I I I think that it goes overboard on the imagery, like you said, but all in all. How do you get it? Field of Celadines. <laughs> so I'll leave you with one final thought. Uh, Celandine, yellow flower. Yep. First thing that appears uh, after, as, the, as the snow is thawing and the first th- one that's mentioned by name. What, what color was a lion's fur? Ooh. Ooh. So, front of my book he's 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 very yellow yeah so all right so if you have any thoughts that are more profound than what we've uh shared in this recording well primroses as well the scent the primrose can be many many different colors but the center of it is almost always yellow (gasps) and the crocuses were you know purple and and gold and white which are colors of royalty yeah so if you have thoughts that are better or more profound than ours, which is not really a high bar to clear sometimes, go ahead. <laughs> I, I guess I'll speak for myself. Kristen's thoughts are always great. Uh, go <laughs> No. And follow us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tweet at us at Chronically Pod on Twitter. You can join in the chorus of, you know, tweeting birds to, at the beginning of spring. Yep. Which we're, we're, we already, we did. We're, we're here. We're actually very. We're at the very beginning of spring. It just happened like two days ago, six days ago on yeah. the nineteenth. Whatever. Because we're recording this on the twenty fifth. How uh, how relevant? Um, and or it's it... going to actually air on the thirtieth. So, yep. Eleven days ago, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, yep. was the first day of spring. Exciting. The equinox. Uh, and then you can email us uh, chronicallypodcast at gmail.com send us your rewrites or your fan art of primroses primroses uh, and until next time for chapter 12 maybe in chapter 12 we'll finally meet Aslan chapter 12 is titled Peter's First Battle mm-hmm. exciting Ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo. we gonna get into a fight alright take us out uh do the things he said on the socials and we'll see you next week cool cheers so how's the quarantine going for you Kristen? it's not going well <laughs> uh sure we can do that ow so starting out, I had an idea I wanted to throw at you that might... Don't throw it so hard. <sighs> you dodged. It's fine. Barely. <laughs> There's a train coming by, so we might have to pause. Okay. Going through the field that has just been freshly tilled and planting seeds to grow into something for someone else to come along. and, and Okay, this metaphor has gotten away from me. <laughs> anyway... Aslan's Jesus. 
by a sledge going to the stone table. Also, why didn't Father Christmas give them a ride on his sledge to the stone table? Um, sorry, I'm gonna try that again without so many loud ums. You're a winter food. No, <laughs> I'm a person. 